episode of Lauer After Hours. Uh, this is a post-post game, but a special post-post game. We have Jeanette joining the normal PPG crew, but in addition to that, we actually have Chris Dembitz, who is also known as Phony Bennett. At is it at the Phony Bennett? It's uh, the, the Twitter handle is at if Tony tweeted. Um, at if Tony tweeted. Yeah, originally the account was tweeting things that Tony might tweet if he were on Twitter, but um, I, I quickly gave up on that. And so Tony, being Tony Bennett, the coach of the UVA basketball team. Yes, of course. Okay, that, that Tony Bennett. Um, that Tony Bennett. For yeah. those who don't, do not know, I, I I just try not to assume that everybody knows who the college coaches. Oh, are sure. Yeah, no. Every school yeah. are. Yes. So, uh, so with that, well, one, let's, let's start there real quick, because you said something that was, you quickly shifted from that. Did you run out of insight into Tony Bennett's soul where you just didn't know what he'd be tweeting anymore? Or did you just find a broader perspective of tweeting probably was better for what you were trying to do? I mean, I think it's more of what I enjoyed and it's like just pretending to be this character. Like, it's like, I, I can only make so many, like, pace jokes i can only you know make so many jokes about limited offense and stuff like that and and then it just gets kind of tiresome and it's weird because you have this audience and you want to say something but it's like oh man i just got to write another joke and so i i think i i started just gradually getting a little bit looser with with how i tweeted i mean there's there's still guardrails there um i I really don't use profanity and you know try to keep it pg-13 even though that's not necessarily my nature (laughs) when when it comes to like you know trying to make uh, jokes or whatever but um yeah and it just kind of broadened and, and people stuck around for it which is good okay cool so the way this usually works is we kind of go around the horn and i'll intervene uh, if i have follow-ups as well but i try not to talk too much although that never works but since you mentioned that whenever you're trying to make jokes and i guess create that content jeanette wanted to ask uh, specifically about the the joke portion and the comedy portion of what it is you do on and offline so jeanette Hi, Chris. Nice to meet you. Hi, Jeanette. So when I was reading up on you, um, which is pretty awesome, I learned that you used to be a stand-up comedian. So I wanted to know what was your worst stand-up experience? And then if you could follow up by letting us know what was one of your funniest jokes. So I'm going to make you sing for your supper. Right, funniest <laughs> joke. See, that's that's a hard one. I don't know that I'll be able um, to to do that. My, my worst stand-up experience, there's a couple that come to mind. So that one's um, pretty easy. Um, one of the worst gigs I ever did was um, opening for uh, Black Elvis, who's just a, uh, he's a Black Elvis impersonator at a Parrot Head, which is a Jimmy Buffett themed bar um, for right. a crowd of like 15 people who weren't expecting comedy or Black Elvis. <laughs> and uh, uh, that, that was a really bad gig. And then I did a show down in Salisbury, North Carolina at an outlaw biker bar, which we didn't know that till we showed up. And it's, you know, the outlaw biker gang, very scary crowd. And I was doing some material, um, making fun of white supremacists, um, and (laughs) big dude, like bald approaches the stage. And he's like, I wouldn't go there if I were you. And I was like, and I won't. (laughs) And I'm like offering to buy this guy a beer because I'm way outnumbered. And, um, so yeah, no, that wasn't a great gig for me either. Um, that's probably my my worst experience. It's the only time I ever, uh, you know, felt threatened on stage. De-escalating a joke by offering to buy a drink or de-escalating any situation like that's the that's the heavy play, right? That's the only play you can make at a bar. Right. Is let me buy you a shot. Let me buy you a drink. 
Uh, did you end up, did he accept? Was it like a Coors? No, I didn't or, take the drink. He just, uh, didn't. Uh, he kind of stood and stared me down and then like went down, like, I don't know, toward the bathroom or, or whatever. It was, um, got it. It was menacing enough that I, uh, I, I chose my jokes more carefully for the rest of that set. <laughs> did you, did you ever go back to North Carolina? Oh yeah. I did a lot of shows down in North Carolina. I mean, you know, if it's in bold on a regular size map, I've probably done shows there. Um, huh. but that that was probably the state that I did the the most number of cities in, um, you know, and, and every show is different. I'm sure there were plenty of decent bars in Salisbury, North Carolina. I happened to be booked at one that I would not describe as decent. So as a, as a follow-up to that, I was actually speaking with a friend earlier today who she started to do stand-up comedy and she was talking about the pay and things of that nature. So of these two, or if there's a one with worse, what was like the worst pay you accepted or were offered to like go do a bit? I mean, you know, there were times like you're trying to get started and you're trying to get your name out there. So, you know, you might travel three States over to work for free um, to just a showcase and, and it's costing you money. You know, um, you know, but a lot of times, I mean, you might be traveling to MC at fifty dollars to to drive three or four hours, you know, and drive back, and you, you say, okay, well, I got fifty dollars for fifteen minutes on stage. No, you got fifty dollars for the drive. You know, the the eight hours that it took you uh, to to do that. So, did they ever? And I guess, and we all know, like obviously with the grind, you'll you'll do the free stuff and the the low pay. Did anybody ever like try to offer you anything outside of cash? Like, we'll give you a bucket of beer. Or something in that nature just to come do a five, 10 minute. Not to, um, I mean, yeah, I guess they, there were some places that did workshops where comics okay. drink free and, and stuff like that, which is always dangerous. I mean, um, those places normally learn pretty quickly that you shouldn't be giving comics an open bar because it's not going to help the quality of the show. <laughs> yeah, I, I imagine I imagine the jokes don't get delivered as well. Yeah. And, and people take it straight into the toilet and it's just, um, it's, it's a bad scene, but I mean, I've done, you know, of course I've done a lot of paid shows, but I mean, I've done a ton of free shows. I mean, you, it's, it's weird it's, because it's the kind of thing that, Hey, if you're working, like when you're trying to get started, you're doing five minute sets. And if you can find three shows a week to do, um, that's 15 minutes of stage time. Most crafts that you want to practice. Um, I'm sorry, the docs in his house. No, you're good. Um, most Hi, most crafts that you want to practice, you're going to practice more than 15 minutes a week. Um, it's just stage time is, is hard to come by and you end up, um, you know, you really got to maximize what you do. So you, you take some terrible gigs just so it's going to get you out there and, you know, it's going to be a hell gig, but uh, you just got to get in that time. Got it. So excuse my ignorance here, because I know Jeanette said that you used to do stand up. Are you still doing stand up or comedy in any other form outside of your parody account? No, not really. I mean, I, I think the last time I was on stage was like two years ago, like every now and then I'll get the itch and I just want to go up on stage and, you know, kind of prove to myself that, you know, I can still do it or um, whatever that is, but it, it's not something I, I stopped traveling with it in probably 2000, 2001. And okay. so then it was just kind of doing some local stuff and picking up gigs here and there that I didn't have to go out of town for. Okay. And I know you have a daughter, which I think is going to tie into a lot of the questions that Pam has. Are you married? And the only reason I ask if you're married is like, how does that conversation go? Jeanette looks as if I'm interested. Like, hey, are you married, Chris? No, the, uh, <laughs> the only reason I ask is like, how does that conversation go 
with your wife if you are because like if i tell my wife like i have an itch to go do things that i used to do artistically at a venue she'd probably be like wow you haven't done that in 10 11 years so are you married and does that how's that conversation go i'm i'm, I'm not married now okay. so, so maybe um uh, i was married when when i was traveling and stuff and, and being gone puts a strain on the relationship. I mean, it's just, um, you know, it's, it's a lot of space and you're not necessarily able to talk when they're able to talk and stuff. So, uh, I, yeah, I, I don't think it's, I, it can be, it can be difficult without the right partner. I'd say. Okay. I was lying about the reason I asked. So can I get your number? No, I'm just kidding. Man. So, <laughs> yeah. so I know you have a daughter and Pam, I'm going to throw it to you because you had some questions specifically about the fundraiser that Chris used to have and uh, i know some follow-ups to that so i'll throw it to you hi chris thanks so much for joining us no thanks for having me on sorry we had to reschedule this initially Uh, well i mean you would think the person who runs the i am or the if tony tweeted account would know when tony is i know yeah i guess i should admit to people i agreed to record this and then we're talking like two hours before and I'm like, Oh crap, we got a game tonight. I had no idea we scheduled this at the same time as a game. And so I, I felt I might be a little bit distracted. And uh, so you were nice enough to reschedule. So thank you for doing that. Oh, anytime. It's um, all seven of our listeners will um, <laughs> be glad that we reschedule. So um, you mentioned earlier that you liked my shirt, which is my, I am phony Bennett shirt. What is the shirt about? Um, tell people who may not be familiar with Charlottesville or what's your story and how did this shirt come about? Okay. So that's, yeah, that's going to be a lengthy um, story and I'm done. I can try to kind of uh, limit it. So the, the, sh- the shirt goes back. Well, you know, when, when I started this account, my youngest daughter, Audrey was um, uh, making progress toward recovering from neuroblastoma, which is a um, uh, cancer of the uh, nervous system. Uh, she was actually born with it. They found it the day she was born. So, you know, it, it, as you can imagine, it was a stressful time. And um, so she was, when I started the account, she was still getting better. And that was kind of the point in my life where I'm, I'm, you know, I've, I've said, I'm trying to find my funny again, trying to find my happy place. And um, so the account came about during that time. I mean, it wasn't something that, that I linked together then, but, um, you know, in hindsight, it was pretty apparent. And, um, you know, so she's 10 years old now, perfectly healthy. And, uh, I got the idea with locker room access, which is a, uh, an apparel and, and message board, uh, company founded by Justin Anderson and Ty Jerome, uh, former UVA players, uh, to do a fundraiser. And so, you know, I reached out to uh, Tita there and, and he had the idea to do um, the I am phony because I wanted to raise money for the uh, pediatric uh, hospital at UVA. And uh, the, the I am phony Bennett thing is actually reference for, to the old I am Tiger Woods ad campaign with all the people in the t-shirt saying I am Tiger Woods. And, uh, you know, we thought it, it was an appropriate way just to make a very, um, simple uh, t-shirt that, that we really liked, but it's also the idea that as fans, we're all fake coaches. There, there's nothing that I'm doing that, that's really any different from, from what other fans do. And um, uh, so it, it was the thing and we, we sold them. We ended up raising $8,000 for the children's hospital um, sold, I think like 350 of them. So there's, there's a number of them out there. I don't leave the house in one. I have one I wear around the house. I never, I've never left the house in it because that just seems weird. Like it's okay for other people to wear it, but if it's, if it's me, it's like, are you funny? Bennett? Well, it, yeah. So I don't wear it, but um, 
no, it was, it was fun. And, and we're looking for other opportunities to do stuff like that. That's amazing. Um, I guess I didn't realize when I saw the fundraiser happening, I didn't make the connection. Like I knew who you were on Twitter. I knew what the fundraiser was about. Cause I saw the story on CBS 19 in Charlottesville, but like the whole that you were the same person. I must've missed part of the news story or something because <laughs> the fact that you were the same person um, took several months to figure out. And then I was like, I follow that guy on Twitter. I know who that is. So, um, um, yeah, it was neat. I mean, and what made, I think that that fundraiser so fun is um, we did a video that was like the I am Tiger Woods commercial, um, but we rounded up a bunch of ex-UVA athletes. Um, I messaged a, a couple people that that I've had dealings with on Twitter, Mark Titus and Seth Greenberg, and just reached out and said, hey, you know, um, told them about what we were doing. And I remember like the, the first one I, I got, it was like the middle of the night, my phone goes off and it's um, Seth Greenberg doing his. And uh, he'd obviously put some thought into it and stuff. And so um, uh, Jake edited it down and put it to music or I think there's music on it. Um, but it ended up being a, a very cool video, I thought. Yeah, it so is. Who, who is the most or who, who's a big name that most people in, that are into sports media would recognize that said no to your request? I mean, yeah, I think any of the all the big guys that I reached out to, I, I think responded. Um, T Dub has the connections with all the former players, and so okay. you know he he was checking on on those guys, the media guys. Um, uh, that was a bad question I just asked you. Right, I put you in a bad position. You're asking right? him Maybe to somebody who someone. an asshole was. Yeah. yeah. No. Yeah, and I don't think. I mean, yeah, there was no one that said no. I mean, there's some people that that didn't get them in on time and and stuff. And so we're like, well, maybe we'll we'll use it if we do something else like this. But um, uh, and then there's some people that just didn't respond. But I mean, people are busy. I mean, I I get it because I'm I'm sure you know there, there's people that have messaged me that think I'm the asshole and and you know maybe I am, but, um, I can relate. It's okay. <laughs> okay. I, I get, it. um, we're going to just, we're just going to assume it was Mike Greenberg. I feel like Mike Greenberg is somebody that just wouldn't respond. So I'll just reckless speculate and I'll <laughs> accuse. No. Uh, all right. Uh, did you have a follow-up to that, Pam? I didn't want to derail. No, just thank okay. you. Thanks so much for your time. We appreciate it. Um, yeah. Well, and so your daughter, your daughter now is cancer free, correct? Yeah, cancer free. So she was a little over, um, a little over a year old when they finally made the, you know, NED determination, no evidence of disease. And, um, uh, you know, so it it was, it's weird because she doesn't remember that whole experience like her parents remember it <laughs> but right. yeah. you know she she doesn't you know and she's got you know it's about a four inch scar on her abdomen um that's really the only visible evidence that you know something you know something went awry there but um you know so it's uh it, I, I, it's got to be an odd thing um yeah her. yeah that well that's i mean one uh, obviously and not no need to express the obvious we're all glad that that's in the past and beyond and even and not that there's ever really a silver lining to it but the fact that she doesn't have to relive or remember all that is probably a blessing in uh not blessing in disguise but a blessing on her so on top of that now was that your first child or only child Uh, that that was my uh second child so um my youngest daughter or my my other daughter um is Alice. So she's six years older than Audrey. So, so she was six when all that happened. And, um, 
Okay. You know, I imagine there was a lot of, uh, I imagine a lot of explaining to a child at that point, kind of what was going on. I imagine. So what was that like, if you don't mind me asking? No, yeah, you're, you're trying to, you know, help them through it. One of the things that I told her pretty early on, um, that initially was for her, but I think, you know, as the months went by, I would repeat it. And sometimes it was for me, but I, I would just tell her, you know, we don't always get to choose what happens to us, but we can always choose how we respond and, you know, make your response intentional and, and you can choose, you know, how this is, is going to go. You can choose to find the beauty. You can choose to celebrate the moments of joy, you know, or, or you can, you know, let yourself, go down that darker road. And so, you know, it's, it's, you know, up to us to take control that way. So on that, how did you, how was the celebration? The day you find out, walk us through that day, the day you find out if this is behind us, obviously relief, walk me through that whole day. So, 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 so the day you find out and, and, you know, unfortunately, you know, it's the kind of thing that, you know, she, she has annual appointments, you know, with an oncologist, you know, until she's 18 and then probably, you know, after that. So it's, it's never completely like, you know, out of your mind, but, but getting that NED diagnosis. And, and I mean, I remember when the doctor told me, I mean, I, you know, he called because, we would have to go in for these regular scans and um they were uh, uh mibg scans where they'd um in, inject this radioisotope into her the day before it attaches to the nervous system cells and then they take an image of that and anywhere there's nervous system cells that shouldn't be it, it's presumed to be the cancer and so you know they would track all that and we'd look at these things and they're these staticky images and stuff um you know but when he called to um you know give the latest results i mean i i, I could barely speak i mean it was um yeah you know but it's not like uh like a sports celebration, <laughs> you know, because right. it's, you know, it's, it's much more, um, you know, relief, you know, and, and, you know, the, the joy comes later, but the, the immediate experience is, uh, different. Okay. And so, and I, I want to kind of get back to some of the lighter stuff as well, not to move on, but once when that was happening, happening, was this, uh, what was that? I said, this is a heavy podcast. Oh, I know. Right. No, I didn't. Well, I don't want to like, Dang. A, I don't want to dismiss something that's kind of very important to your story, but I also do want to get back to having fun without yeah. being, you know, yeah, no, whatever, you, whatever you guys want to discuss. I'm good. My, sorry. Yeah. My, I keep looking down. I when I look weird. My cat keeps. Oh, you have a cat oh. and a dog. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. Cam... so we got a little dachshund and um, then we got Bruce who's a stray cat that I found. Oh, that you found. Yeah. Yeah. My company, somebody found him in a tree. Uh, as a kitten, and it was just this tiny little kitten. So I drove out there, and um, as I got out there, a maintenance guy had uh, put a ladder on and just brought him down. And so I took him, and he's like wet, and um, you know. And I knew after I'm holding him for like five minutes that okay, I'm probably taking this cat home because you know the alternative is well, somebody needs to take him down to the shelter or whatever. And um, so I absolutely take the alternative there with a the cat, but you yeah, are a good human being. Uh, who's who's um, surprised in this group that a stray wandering the streets was named Bruce? Not me. <laughs> Not me. A deep yeah, inside joke. Is, is Very Wayne. deep inside joke. But um, yeah, oh, he's so pretty. His full name is Bruce Wayne because it was the year I wore um, first wore my Batman uh, Halloween costume. So <laughs> oh. um, the first year. How how many years after? I, I've worn it twice. I wore it okay. this year. Um, I wore it and then waited a few years. Um, but I put enough time and effort into making it. I may either got to go to a cosplay convention or wear it for Halloween again. Because Now, you have a very Bruce Wayne voice, though. So yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> I could absolutely see this happening. Can you say Martha? 
<laughs> Martha. Oh, uh, the worst scene to ever be done by DC, and that's saying a lot. So, uh, why did you say that off, name? I have, I have a wow, a limited fake Bruce Wayne's. Uh, I did not have that coming from Janae here. We'll cut mm-hmm. that up and share that for our Suey Awards or Louis Awards. Uh, <laughs> and I, I wish we did polls like Dan Levitard. Like, you have to. Are you the nosiest person in the world if you find? a stray cat in a tree because to me that's just like a cat in its environment he was a kitty yeah he was a kitten i don't know that he would have survived on his own the, the vet okay. thought he was about six weeks old i think he'd just recently been weaned it was a true kitten okay yeah yeah okay and, so i'm just uh, a horrible human yeah and it's like okay this guy can't survive yeah i wasn't yeah he wasn't like a stray now i didn't know his background if he came from a feral cat if somebody's cat there it had kittens and they'd released them before they moved like i i hadn't I, I don't know where he's from. He wasn't chipped. We put up some posters okay. um, and Facebook notices and he's my cat now. Well, good for Bruce. Bruce got just as much time as every other segment yeah. we've been asking about <laughs> here. So <laughs> good for Bruce, the cat. Uh, so although I have a lot more follow-ups, I'm going to actually pass it over to cap who, and this will be a great transition into lightening things back up cap. I don't know what you told me you wanted Chris AKA phony Bennett to do something. And I don't know why, well, first but all, I'm sure you can take, explain it. Well, first I was going to take it back to the, to the hardwood. Do you think you have the decent guard play to make a run in the tournament? The, the defense defensive guard play. Did you say De- decent guard play, decent guard play? I, I mean, I, I defensively we do the, the problem is we need to rely um, a lot on our outside scoring and Reese Beekman and Kihei are both shooting. I think, well, Kia is shooting well. Reese Beekman is shooting like low 22s. Um, yeah, we need those guys to shoot a lot better to open up the what we're trying to do inside. Tane Murray was a nice revelation uh, the other day. And, uh, you know, so hopefully we can get more from him. I think people are excited about Igor. Um, you know, it's not going to be our guards that carry us. This isn't the 2019 team. This team is built very differently. In the last two games in particular, we've kind of seen – what this team is going to look like if they get good. They're not good yet. Um, they, they've got a ways to go, but you're saying, okay, this is what Jaden's going to do. This is what Kia is going to do and and how that team is going to come together. And if they can start putting that together in time for ACC play, uh, then it could get exciting. And I being from Baltimore City, uh, I can't believe that Baltimore County uh, has a win over you guys in the tournament and that they're the 16 seed. But let's transition. Uh, would you mind saying just be pit, my actually, in San Francisco? Uh, Last week, I, I'm sorry. What I, I love that that question got spoke got stepped on by a uh, great basketball analysis. And one, I didn't know we had a great basketball like, uh, wow, I'm not seeing analysis here. Uh, analyzer, I didn't know we had like inside college basketball, so we have missed one of your better qualities of entertainment, which we may bring you back for March Madness. Uh, but cap. Please re-ask the question that you asked while he was finishing his answer. I know he heard you, but I want everybody else to hear you. Would you Would you be kind enough to sing I Left My Heart in San Francisco? I, I absolutely will not. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm going to save you guys. I'm going to save myself. Um, there's there's no singing. In, in the car with the windows up uh, is the only time that happens when I'm by myself. Are you a shower singer? I'm, I'm not because I normally don't have music in the shower, and I, I need – I need the music. I'm not good at acapella. I or okay. worse at acapella, perhaps. Um, you need the you need the beat, the instrumental. Keep yeah, the rhythm. I need to. 
asking you if you're married and if you're a shower singer, I promise you, I'm not. Really <laughs> yeah, these are some pretty. Uh, intimate and how do you like yeah, your eggs? I, and <laughs> do you enjoy long walks on the beach? <laughs> what side of the bed do you prefer? Uh, and uh, leave, leave my wife for two days in a hotel. I was gonna say Sharon is not going to be pleased. No. To find well, out that's that you- <laughs> when you're out of town. You're allowed to ask questions like this of guests, so she won't hear. <laughs> uh, and there's no way she listens to this pod. So can you hear him howling. Yeah, yeah, we can. It's so, okay. it's yeah, great. sorry. I'm not sure what this dog mic is. Uh, um, but he's, we're going to refer to him as Finney the whole time, and it'll be an inside joke for Dan Lebertard fans. So okay. it's, no, it's 100% I, okay. I thought it was like his comfort zone from the comedy days. He brought his own heckler. Yeah. <laughs> Hecklers <laughs> never help. Anytime the guy with the high pitched voice talks, just start heckling him. <laughs> oh, you're triggering the dog? <laughs> yeah, I'm the trigger to the dog. It's my voice. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's no. The, guy that sounds, the guy that sounds like a Smurf meets Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> Whenever you hear him. Uh, all right. So we just had Beep join the pod. Uh, I'm sure Beep has questions. I'll wait for him to send it to me. But I want to get back to the comedy. And by all means, uh, let us know if we run long on time. I, I don't know what the window was, was given. Oh, go ahead, Beep. So I just jumped in here. Uh, we were talking about uh, Bruce Wayne. Heard a, a great limited fake Bruce Wayne here from from Jeanette. Do you have any good accents or impressions that you do? Ooh, great question. No, I, I've never been like an impression comic. And, and I mean, certainly, I mean, I think in general impressions were kind of falling out of favor probably when, when I was coming up. Um, but I, I, that's, that's something that that's never been out really within my, my comfort zone. I've never been good at it. I've never felt sometimes I'll stumble upon one. Like there's one, my friend still talks about to this day where I absolutely nailed Elroy Jetson for like a day. And it was, it was great. And then I completely lost it. And I haven't been able to do that voice since then. Uh, but you know, so, so my, my delivery is just kind of a much more conversational dry, uh, sort of thing. Sorry, my phone's talking. So that, that's it. I didn't think about that. So who is your who were some of your best comics of all time? And then who that is still active now or maybe newer comics now that you find to be the most entertaining? Uh, so so as a kid, the guys that I liked were like George Carlin. Um, awesome. you know, Eddie Murphy was the one that made me want to get into comedy. My style is nothing like Eddie Murphy, but Eddie Murphy made me fall in love with stand-up comedy. Like and, and his delirious tape, I would play that at like every night before bed. And I could do that um that whole set front and backwards uh yesterday. Did you ever buy or consider buying red leather pants? I never considered buying red leather pants because again, I knew I'm never gonna be as cool as Eddie Murphy. And oh. um uh, I actually, my girlfriend and I, we tried to watch that uh, that special recently, and it did not age well. Um, his his material has has not withstood the test of time, and I, I couldn't make it through. And I was I was disappointed because that was that was what what made me want to you know get into comedy. But then they, you know there were a lot of other guys I liked growing up. Um, you know, even guys like from where their, their timing was good. And I always named Bob Newhart as that. And that's, and he's kind of dated, but Bob Newhart's timing and delivery is as good as you will ever see. You know, he's one of those guys that can do more with a pause than most guys do with a punchline. And, and so I would watch guys like that and, and Chevy chase, he's got a very unique thing going. And I would really like, you know, to me, a lot of it is the timing and delivery, which is something you completely lose on Twitter. So it's, it's funny that that's my, my medium now. 
yeah, and none of us could give advice on how to be funny on Twitter. The one person that's really good at that is not here. So we we couldn't help you out there. But who nowadays that's active? Like who are some of the current stand-up comedians that you enjoy? Yeah, I don't watch a lot of comedy. Like somewhere along the way, I, I stopped like watching it regularly. Somewhere along the way of may- maybe getting out of it. Um, for one thing, I mean, you're just exposed to it constantly. Like when when you're performing, and, you're, and especially you're at a workshop and you're seeing like ten other comics, and and you know a lot of them suck, but you're also working with guys who are good, and you're just seeing comedy night after night. Um, and I think you know, and it's probably like this in any kind of you know whether you're a former athlete watching a sport or you're a musician going to a concert, you end up kind of, or you can end up kind of looking at it more in the abstract and and you're stepping back and it's like, okay, he's going to make a call back to that later. And then this is, you know, he's setting up the misdirection for, for this. And and you're, you're kind of looking at what he's doing and, and, you know, like, Oh, that was a good word choice there. And, and, you know, so at least that's what I find myself doing. Yeah. You're like, almost evaluating and analyzing it more than enjoying it. And, and you can't turn that off. I imagine once you get deep into writing it and knowing the techniques of comedy. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, I, I still think I, I enjoyed it because I mean, I do appreciate, and there's so many comics that I've, I've worked with and, and just guys that are terribly funny that'll never get the level of success to be a household name. They just never got that break or whatever. Yep. Um, but, I mean, there's so much talent out there now the internet and everything is, has changed that. And I sound like, like a really old person when I say that, but when I was coming up there, you know, Twitter and stuff didn't exist. There was no social media. And so there was no advertising your shows there and, and bringing people in that way. And, and self-promotion was much harder. I mean, you're, you're going to post flyers for, for yourself as a comic. No, like it was really hard. So you had to rely strictly on, on word of mouth through, through other comics. Like, and Got this it. guy's going to vouch for you and bring you as his MC. You're coming in as a feature or headliner. So you're bringing your own MC and you're vouching for that guy. Now he's in this club and, uh, kind of working what, from there. So it's, it, it's changed a lot. Was there anybody that you met kind of coming up through the ranks or throughout the grind that either you weren't sure about, or you were sure about, but um, if you weren't even better, that had actually made it. And you're like, wow, I can't believe this person is there. Um, I worked with, with Daniel Tosh years ago and he was really funny. Um, yep. and so what didn't surprise me, uh, to see him there, there were some guys, like I ended up doing a workshop, um, with Patton Oswald once, like in 96, I think, um, the and, great pet, the greatest bit ever on TV was the silent scene where he said nothing forever on, was it King of Queens or yeah, he, I'm not familiar with uh, that. yeah, it was uh. literally a whole scene where he said nothing to troll the cast. Anyways, apologize. Yeah, no, he, um, you know, so I'm, I, you know, I've worked with guys and there, there's some guys like Brian Regan that have, have kind of gotten to, to another level. Um, you know, I had one friend who was actually um, slated to star in a um, sitcom pilot, uh, starring to be the star of a sitcom. And then another bigger name actor uh, came in at the last minute and, and, took over the lead role and then bumped him to bring in his friend that he wanted to co-star with. And so like, this is this guy's big break with like a great script and stuff. And, um, and I think he was still under contract. Like he still wasn't allowed to work comedy for the next year, at least because he's under wow. they put you on exclusivity contracts. So he can't be on stage and stuff like that. Did he and, get paid for that? 
at least for the contract? Yeah, he got I paid because they, they gave him a development deal. And yeah. that's the thing. They give you these development deals and we're just going to pay you this much. And maybe we'll make something. Maybe we won't. And if yeah, we make something, still... you still get royalties and stuff. But, um, you know, but they just lock him down. And uh, it, it's it's a harsh business for this. I have to ask, and I know, I'm okay if you say no, but everybody would be mad if I didn't. What show? Oh, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say. Okay, that's fine. I, I, um, I, I figured you didn't, and I don't want to put you in bed. Yeah, I don't know if he's public about that. I obviously telling me I'm a shitty podcast host and not yeah, ask. Yeah, no, you're right to ask what show, and and I almost said it, but I I don't know actually know that I'm allowed. So, um, yeah, I should have asked it differently. Hey, Maybe I got all the answer. job, but it ran for like hey, ten Rod. years. Um, ten so. years. When did it stop? Running, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Somebody's tweeting IMDb right now. Like, okay, now ask. Process okay, of so elimination. who so was his at, good friend? At, at the end of this podcast, we're gonna guess one show, and you just give us yes or no. Okay, not each total, just one. Yes, we all just get just, to, just okay. one, one show. We're gonna come to a consensus yeah. as I a keep group. Ruining the get... odds of us getting this show. <laughs> <laughs> I'm being too nice. So like, just one total. Okay, we'll do that. We'll do one. Uh, I I have an idea of which one it is, but we'll we'll go. I have a feeling me and Beat Beat message me directly. We'll see if we're thinking the same. So uh, with comedy, obviously, what what was the step with Twitter? And is there anybody on Twitter, or what's kind of your approach? This is like Dan Levitard asking about Chewbacca. So what was your approach on Twitter when you, you decided to do? Every time I talk, that dog hates me. <laughs> the what was your? Or he loves Twitter? you. Oh, he loves me. That's true. <laughs> what, what's your approach to Twitter comedy? And then, like, how many Twitter tweet drafts do you have where you're like, or do you do the drafts, or do you just fuck it, uh, close your eyes, pull the trigger, let it? Yeah, go? My, most things are are getting sent or, okay. or deleted. I do have a drafts folder, and the drafts folder is just filled with tweets that walk that line of being something I'm probably going to have to apologize for the next day, and. You know, and it's just something I kind of try to ask myself, am I going to have to <laughs> type out this long? I'm sorry for this insensitive tweet for um, and, you know, I just don't do it. It's not it's not worth it. So on that note, how do you feel about like, because honestly, and I know Dave Chappelle stand up, but I'm not going to ask you to speak on all the Dave Chappelle drama that exists. But a lot of what he's doing is interpreted as kind of comedy is almost being shut up or like put into a place where you can't go too edgy. And I know on Twitter, you said you really don't get into the profanity cussing, but it's not really your normal style. So like, do you kind of feel, and let me be clear, I guess I'll soften this up by saying like, I agree with most of the perception of like, let comedy be comedy. And uh, a lot of current day feedback that exists really just on the internet. I don't even think people in real life have the opinions of Twitter. I just think Twitter has become so loud that it kind of impacts the what the way comedy is being made, not just stand up comedy movies, com- comedy shows. Like it feels like they're kind of almost non-existent now because of the fear of going too far. Yeah. I, I but I think there, there's something to be said for, for punching upward and um, the, the laziness of, of punching downward is, um, is best avoided. It's like, you know, in, in comedy you used to, if, if you could work clean, first of all, you'd have access to, to so many more, gigs you could do corporate gigs you can do church gigs you can you can get all kinds of extra stuff holiday parties and stuff that aren't going to bring in somebody who's going to be dirty but working clean is a lot harder than working dirty and um 
it, it's just, you've, you've got to be skilled to do it. And that's the only reason Brian Regan is so good. Um, it's, it's kind of the same thing. It's, it's easy to punch down, you know, that's, that's, yep. uh, that, that can be very lazy comedy. I'm not saying you can't have something clever with that. And I think if, if you can do something well, um, pe- people, there's, there's always going to be a fringe that, that don't like you, but you can probably get, you know, broader appeal. But I think a lot of what you see is just really lazy taking shots at, at folks who can't defend themselves. And, uh, that's, a uh, you know, I, I don't think it, it's it's not comedy that I enjoy, you know, beyond just the, uh, you know, should he be, be allowed to say it? I mean, yeah, comedians have been saying stuff for years. I mean, Lenny Bruce went to jail for what he said on stage. But, um, you know, you also, as any kind of artist, you know, your your message is still your responsibility. You can't just throw anything out there. You, you've got to be willing to to stand behind it. And if you're going to take shots at those weaker than, than you... It, you know, you, you need to at least be able to put up a good defense as, as to why you're doing it. Okay. No, fair enough. Love it. Uh, all right. So we obviously know your, your last, uh, sorry, I got caught up here with the guest that beep sent me and I'm like, really? Oh, I didn't think about that one. All right. So we know your last fundraiser is not currently existent. Is there anything currently uh, about the fundraiser that you did do that we need to put out or, Anything just about in general that you want promoted out there? Or what are you doing nowadays? Like it's outside of Twitter because your mic setup and your shock mount looks really professional. So do you have yeah, you know, I love this, this shock mount? It's got this retro look. Um, no, right now I've been doing uh, with the locker room access guys because that's a really cool company. And they've they've got the, these great message boards for the fans just for Virginia fans right now. But it's something that's going to expand to other schools. And they do obviously the merchandise and and stuff and um doing a lot of signed merchandise they, they ended up doing deals with nil deals with most of the players on virginia's team this year um but anyway so we've got a regular podcast um we call it the foach's corner that we do during the season um because i'm a, I'm a fake coach so somebody gave me that um appellation years ago uh, so hold on fake coach means foach Foch, F-A-U-X-C-H. Yeah. So it's and without getting and I, I i meant to i didn't mean to cut you off too much but we all kind of glue when we saw that because Dan Levitard show, one of the producers, the reason they left ESPN is they fired a producer named Chris Cody, who is one of the be- one of my most beloved, at least my favorite person ever in the show. And look, we have you know some sort of a friendship with, but all of us love him. And he has a bit where he combines words. So when you said Foch, it's like that's what Lauer After Hours, our podcast, Lauer is local Lauer, which gotcha. is what they call. So yeah. sorry for glowing, but we've, right. we all have to pay homage there. So the yeah. Foch is like homage. Bruce, Bruce Wayne would be Bane. Yep, wow. kind of like that. Thank you for. <laughs> That's it, a different it, guy, though. It's usually though like an adjective <laughs> followed by a noun, but yeah, Bruce Wayne works there. Let's. So I'm again repeating. You the name don't of your get podcast. the show. You were born by it. <laughs> um, does everybody here agree that Beep was not going to let uh, Phony Bennett go without getting some sort of limited fake in? Uh, mm-hmm. so back to the name of your podcast, I apologize. I didn't mean to cut you off, but we all glue and I wanted to explain why we got no, so excited. No, it's fine. No. So we do, we're doing the, the Foch's corner. So the guys that are regularly on that show, um, is Mark Jerome, who is Ty Jerome's father. Um, 
Ty's busy in the NBA right now, but so uh, Mark is a coach. Uh, Mark is who coached Ty. Uh, so he's on there. And then we have uh, Doug Smith and Chris Havlicek, who are two former UVA players from back in the early 90s. Um, Havlicek! Havlicek, okay. Yeah, so- yeah John Havlicek's son. Um, yeah. And uh, um, so he's great. Obviously, he's got some some good stories. With some, we uh, we're going to send you. What? I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm going to send you a Havlicek parody. So that, I love it. Yeah, it, 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 we're we're a little like throwing back because you were mentioning a lot of things that are unique to the show that we started this about. And I know you don't get it. I can tell you don't. But you're hitting a lot of inside jokes with us that I don't no. think you're intending to. And no, so that's. Yeah, I know you're not. And Cap is just really bad at explaining that. So he just yells out, are we being trolled? And doesn't provide any content because Cap's really bad at this, which is why you've only seen a hat for the last 45 <laughs> minutes. So I apologize for that. Yeah, I've, uh, yeah, I actually asked Havlicek, I'm like, you know, did you get tired of the Havlicek stole the ball call? And he's like, you know, the other guys on the team would be like, you know, Havlicek stole his girl, Havlicek stole his sandwich. Like, it's just a, a phrase he's never been able to escape in his life. So we're going to send you some uh, Mad Dog sound about Havlicek, along with the parody song that one of my peers that does parody songs uh, did. It's great. And we uh, just for fun and just because we hope you enjoy the comedy that is probably much lesser than what you did. But we're trying our best. Uh, outside of that, though, we have a guest. And I, I agree with Beeps. Beep, I'm going to allow you, I, unless anybody here wants to send me right now in the chat uh, a guest, I think Beeps may make sense uh, based on just kind of the time. Because it, it, let me ask this one clue. It was a stand-up comedian that also took the show? No. Okay. So now I'm a little mistaken because now I'm going back to my one of what I thought was uh, original. So I guess, you know what? Maybe one was stand-up. But... Uh, okay. I... I think now I want to reevaluate this. Beep, do you have another one, or do I get to just yell out what I think it is? You know, I, I think. Uh, you know I think what? You Let's just, just both to, go. I think I'm going to at the same both. time. At the same time. I, I don't, yeah, at the same time. Uh, right. One, two, three. Two George and a half Lopez. Men. One of you is right. You know, two and a half men. Knew it. <laughs> All oh. right. No. Jeanette well, hopes it's not George Lopez. <laughs> well, because Jeanette and I also don't consider George Lopez a stand-up comedian or funny or unique. planning to murder him still. Humor. He is he is a thief of humor, oxygen, attention, brain cells. <laughs> he is a loathsome man. We get it. You love to touch your liver in public. What else do you have, George? I I think I think George, and I don't think Tony's here, we'll just say it. George Lopez is the one comedian that over a generation of the same culture aged and then didn't age. And so our parents and grandparents love him. And then there's us. I know. But anyways, huh? we don't need to sit here and make fun of George Lopez in front of Chris. Uh, Chris, it was a great time, honestly. I know yeah. this is all over the place. Yeah, man. No, but, this was fun. Uh, it was just uh, enjoyable bouncing around. So, yeah, it's fun. And are you, and I, I'm sure this. You may say yes, and after this, I'll never talk to them again. But are you willing to come back from March Madness and talk real basketball? Because I didn't realize you were so, like, actually into like you had good analysis, and so we'd like to come back and talk March Madness. Oh, yeah, I'm a I'm a fan. I mean, I don't know how how good it is, but um, yeah, I, I watch a lot. So because um, we, yeah. we regularly have Mike O'Donnell from uh, CBS Sports come on and join us. Uh, he was a star at at UCF. You want to pick up that name? Yeah, Mike O'Donnell. You know, Mod Three. 
on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, so we, we typically have him on around March Madness. So if, if you would like to come back on with him and kind of really just, you know, shoot around, yeah. that'd be awesome. Yeah. Shooting um, it. No, I, I enjoy doing this. I, I, I used to back early in this thing. So I started the account in 2012. Uh, so we had a podcast called the hard hedge. That's just a UVA basketball podcast, but, and that's where we had Seth Greenberg and Mark Titus on there. And um, you know, we would get the, the former players and stuff. It was, it was cool, but I had to edit it. So I was happy to not have to edit a podcast anymore. My favorite part is just being able to say, okay, I'm going to hit the leave button. Now it's your problem. It'd be done. So. Wow. That's Flem's favorite part too. Only he promises he's going to edit and that- then eight days passes and he's like, right. Oh. Cause it sucks. Like I, I would sucks, end up yeah. spending, I mean, cause we had levels problems and stuff, but I was recording it enough that I, I could adjust that stuff, but it would just take time. And yeah, yeah it sucks. It sucks. And I, I appreciate you taking out beep at the end of this, like beep. Sorry, man. I'm, I appreciate everything you do for us, but I agree. It does take me eight days and it takes me seven days to convince myself. I don't just quit the podcast. Right. Say, you know what? Never mind. Oh, I don't have audio to back. I don't care. So, well, again, man, we appreciate your time. We know um, we've been at that hour, but uh, hopefully we do talk to you soon. And, uh, yeah, thank you. Awesome, man. Thanks for having me. This was fun. Good to meet you guys. Awesome. Thank you so much. Best of luck, man. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Lauer After Hours. You can always reach us on Twitter at Lauer After Hours or Instagram at Lauer After Hours. We're available wherever you get podcasts, so don't forget to download, subscribe, review, and rate five stars.